We're back, baby. Season four, episode one, Lucas Baseball, brought to you by DrRoto.com. Check out our fantasy baseball draft guide. Start dominating your drafts and competition today, folks. On this episode, we're breaking down the catcher position rankings in fantasy baseball. Of course, joined by my co-host, Lucas Beery. Lucas, it's amazing to be back for another season, and I think it's great to start with the catcher position. It's always a tricky one. It's incredibly top-heavy, but I do think we can find some values in certain tiers. Absolutely. Uh, catching Catcher position is... A unique beast as far as looking at it relative to the infield and outfield positions or even utility only guys it's just the 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 bar for what you're looking for is very different from any other position so whenever you were to draft an early catcher you're getting much worse stats than you would from another position hitter another position player at that moment but it could be worth it depending on how you look at the player pool, uh, you know, what your priorities are. And if you can find late targets later, that's the benefit of going early catchers. They allow you to get later targets and still have the cream of the crop at the position. But we'll dive into that shortly. Yeah, well, speaking of the cream of the crop, the top catchers, let's start with that tier. Uh, we'll call it the elites. And we got Salvador Perez, JT Realmuto, and Will Smith. And personally, my draft strategy... I'll be avoiding this entire tier. They're just going too early for my liking. Will Smith, who's going early fifth round, is a bit early. But of these three elite guys, I think his price is the easiest one to swallow. I'm most willing to pay it in a 12-team league. I might even be more inclined to pay that price. Uh, because by that time in a 12-team league, I'll have an extra player on my roster. Um, by the time that ADP around when he's coming would come up, a real muto. He's going a little earlier, so I guess I can maybe group him in to the Will Smith, but Salvi just going far too early. Forget about the fact—I'm not even thinking about the fact that he could easily regress because the season he had last year was all-world. Even if he does that again, um, obviously the pick will warrant itself, but I'm not sure he does, and— there's just so many quality players who are more sure things who can do more and more categories going in that 30 to 35 range. That is a fair point. It is an extremely high price tag uh, with Salvador Perez. That's impossible to dispute that. But just looking at the guaranteed playing time advantage that he's going to provide you, he played 160 game, 161 games with 665 plate appearances last year. And more and more catchers are platooning. They're going part-time. They're getting rests and breaks and such here and there. And there's more catcher framers uh, like your Tucker Barnhart and Austin Hedges being thrown into the pool, as well as even Christian Vasquez is really a framer mostly. He's not an offensive talent. So when you look at the difference that Sal Perez provides you, I know he's not going to repeat last year. That would be He would be a top five pick if that was the expectation. So if you're asking for 32 home runs with 85 to 90 RBIs, uh, I do think that he makes some sense in the third round. And even if he slips into the fourth round, I'd be more than happy to to go for that just based on the guaranteed uh, plate appearance edge that he is going to have on the field. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think in a two-catcher league, even more so. That's kind of what I was Yes, of course. We just have to keep in mind that there's a lot of people out there listening that play one catcher league. So there is there is a big difference between that. In a two catcher league, 
Absolutely. I can definitely take your points and apply them in certain areas. In a one-catcher league, I'm not touching these guys that early. It's, there's just there's too many options for just a one-catcher league. I think that makes perfect sense. That's a really good cleanup there on the clarification. All right, brother. Let's get into the next tier, the next best thing. Yasmani Grandal, Wilson Contreras, Dalton Varsho, Tyler Stevenson, and Kiebert Ruiz. And there's some nice players in this tier. They're all going around where I can still get a pretty good bat, though, or uh, upside type of bat, quality SP3. Um, you know I've been taking a lot of Framber Valdez in this range where these guys are going. Uh, Varsho, though, stolen bases, I like that. Just not in the top 100. Kiebert Ruiz is a guy I like the most in this group based on the ADP around 145 to 150. Stevenson, more interesting, of course, um, than in years past because he should get more at-bats with Barnhart no longer with Cincy. Uh, I just think he's going in an area which I'd rather get a top-quality player and not just draft a catcher because it, I think it's a thin position. I feel like I'd be reaching for one of these guys, um, and that to me is probably a bit of a um, a no-go for me. I don't want to reach at the catcher position. With that being said, compare them a little bit to those top guys like the Real Mutos and the Smiths, and mm-hmm. clearly they don't catch up. They, they, they don't hold up. Absolutely. Um, you know, we can certainly get into this tier now. I just wanted to kind of touch up on Real Muto and Smith for just a quick second. Real Muto last year was the number one catcher off the board, and his ratio stats did drop off a little bit. He's a year older. He's had quite a handful of miles on his legs, but he's still only 31 years old. So uh, he's actually not even 31 yet. He'll turn that right before the season in mid-March. So not very old, can be projected potentially for double-digit steals with a great lineup spot. And Lou, the NLDH is going to give him extra opportunities to catch up to Salvador Perez in the uh, in the plate appearances. So he's another nice buy where you can sneak some steals into that catcher spot. And then briefly here on Will Smith, I mean, if you look at this guy's numbers, they would look excellent for any hitter, let alone catcher where the bar is much lower for excellent production. So, you know, nearly a 500 slugging percentage last year, plays in a Dodgers lineup, could potentially see some more at-bats from the uh, DH spot. I'm happy with all three of these guys, but uh, sorry to swing back. I just wanted to throw out a few points on those. No, it's perfect because, as I mentioned, I mean, as much as there's some things to like about the tier with Grandal, Contreras, Varsho, Stevenson, and Ruiz, they are mm-hmm. a far cry from those top dudes up there. Uh, another thing about Will Smith that you kind of had me thinking about is not just mm-hmm. the at-bats from the DH, but the premium lineup spot he might get with mm-hmm. Seager being gone and with Muncy being injured, there's there's room for him to hit in that middle as opposed to down more towards the bottom. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at this guy's numbers, he had a 130 WRC+. plus. He's only 26 years old and hit 25 home runs over 500 plate appearances, 495 slug. I mean, that would play for any first baseman, let alone a catcher. And you can get him around pick 65 to 80, so... That's an excellent price, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I said in that yep. tier, the one guy who I'm comfortable with is Smith. So I'm glad at least we agree on that. So mm-hmm. again, with Grandal, Contreras, Varsha, Stevenson, Ruiz, there's things to like about each one. They just don't really compare to those top guys, and I feel like there's better value in the next tiers. 
yeah, briefly going in with with Grandal. He's a really good player. There's tons of power. This White Sox team is absolutely sick. I mean, it's it could be just insane run scored for for a lot of their players, and Grandal could clean up on that. The only concern is is that he has had injuries. He had an, a serious injury that wiped out two months last year for him. But if you're uh, if you're good with picking up his poor batting average, which most catchers are going to do anyways, then it's a good pick. Wilson Contreras will be another beneficiary from the NLDH. Some may think he's a little bit boring since he doesn't have much batting average, but he'll throw in a steal from time to time and you know, 22 to 25 plus home runs and, and a cleanup spot. You can't complain about that, even if it's a bad team. And then I want to flip this one back to you. What are you seeing with Dalton Varsho? I've had a, a weird feeling about him, but I'm kind of slowly warming up to him. I want to hear your thinking on Varsho. Well, as a personal feeling, I am not interested in him because if you recall last year in TGFBI, I thought I was so much smarter than everybody else by drafting him uh, when I knew he wasn't going to start the year in the big leagues, but I wanted that speed to catcher. Eventually, I had to cut him, then he comes up and someone else gets him. So that irritated me, but um, again, I like the speed, especially at that position, a lot, actually. Um, The problem is I think it's just too early for a guy that is that unproven that makes a ton of sense i mean he he's shown good hitting opportunities and spurts he was a must play in dfs as we both called out last august and september when they finally gave him the chance but look he didn't play for probably half the season last year my concern was is that he doesn't necessarily get guaranteed playing time but you know, I think that might be a little bit just too fearful thinking, and he probably will get the playing time. But let me tell you, man, inside that top 100 overall for an ADP, that's uh, that's a big bet, and I'm not uh, fully prepared to do that, even though I can see the talent. No, neither am I. And, I mean, there's a very good chance he plays more outfield than he does catcher. Uh, I mean, this might be the last year that he even – has catcher eligibility potentially i mean i could see him still getting 50 plus starts and it won't be a problem you'll still get him there but uh he might be used primarily as an outfielder um a la a la bryce harper not that he's going to be bryce harper but bryce harper was drafted as a catcher too (laughs) you know so it doesn't always stay that way of course it wasn't jacob Degrom a shortstop uh, I think yep. he made, I think he made the right choice to become a starting pitcher let's go over to the next tier unless you have anything else I'll throw a quick, couple of quick thoughts here since these are the top guys. I know we're not going to be able to go through every name here, but um, for the top guys, I would love to hit them up. Tyler Stevenson, another DH benefit guy. Um, I think we, this is all speculation, but I think that the Reds will put him into the you know the four or five hitting spot. Um, he makes a ton of contact. I would expect like a 260 to 270 batting average, which is a big number. But the power has been low. You know, he's a 50% ground ball rate guy. And uh, I I think that you can find some similar profiles a little bit later, even though the runs in RBIs could be a huge boost if he can rack up 525 to 550 plate appearances. And then Kybert Ruiz, um, man, this guy is a, a sexy name, as we sometimes call out there. I mean, he rarely ever strikes out. I just... I think that uh, it would be asking a lot for a rookie catcher to come in and, and have a huge year. And 
you're not asking for him from that with a pick around 150, but you know, we just need to see the power play up, even though the batting average is pretty locked in with like a 10% strikeout rate that he should carry. Yeah, I mean, the trade to the Nationals away from the Dodgers couldn't have benefited this guy more. He's going to get the at-bats and the playing time, and I think that's one of the most crucial things because there's not a lot of catchers that are going to get all of those at-bats. And one of the things you did allude to with Salvi and Real Muto and Will Smith, which does, um, you know, impact how valuable they really are. Next tier called still mostly on edge or unedge. And it's Sean Murphy, Yadier Molina, Omar Narvaez, Alejandro Kirk, and Christian Vasquez. And when I look at this tier, there's only one player that really interests me, and that's mm-hmm. Omar Narvaez. He can hit for average. Mm-hmm. He has decent power. He's in a good lineup. Going around pick 260, which is incredibly valuable. Molina's age is concerning to me. Kirk has a bunch of competition for at-bats. I don't think I get enough power from Vasquez or Murphy, although Murphy could hit 20 with his mm-hmm. career high being 17. But Vasquez has never hit for power in the majors other than in 2019, which at this point appears to be a complete outlier. Uh, so this <laughs> this tier, I'm going to pass on it. Um, I'd rather get one of the guys from the earlier tier, that next best thing tier, or Omar Narvaez. Absolutely. I mean, in your in your draft and holds that you've done that we've done so far, uh, you know, after Kybert Ruiz goes, pretty much everyone just focuses on other things, and then maybe like eighty to hundred picks after that, like in the in the two forties to two sixties, you'll start to see catchers go because there's not a standout at this point. You're just looking for what you like the most. Sean Murphy, I'm one of his few believers left. His defensive skills are going to guarantee his job. He has a little bit of power. His batting average is very poor, which is a huge concern. But I think that there's some growth there since he's still a young player. But I get that. He's not very expensive, though, which is a big selling point. And then Molina is a very boring playing time guy. We're both on the same page with Narvaez. He can mix in everything outside of excellent power. He mixes in good batting average with hopefully 15 home runs would do with a 260 average would be excellent. And then Kirk, like you said, it's a very good talent. I just, you know, there's a lot of other guys there, especially with Gabriel Marino kind of coming up as well, potentially. And then, um, as you kind of said, Vasquez, he plays a lot. He's a very quality defensive backstop. But, you know, when you're only getting, you know, four to five, maybe six home runs out of a catcher spot, it's tough. Narvaez is really interesting as well, Mm -hmm. though, because we say he doesn't have the power necessarily but he did hit 22 homers a couple years ago in seattle of all places it was a career high in games and played appearances and at bats for him with the dh coming to the nl which has been a topic on this show he could squeeze in a couple more games here or there when they want to give him a day off behind the dish they could still get his bat in there because it is well above average he's got a good on base percentage he hits for average um he also career high in doubles last year some of those could turn into home runs um again yeah so 15 to 20 is not out of the question and based on the other guys that we've talked about in this um tier that might end up being tops in the tier and we're not even drafting him for the power. So to me, he's an ultimate steal at the catcher position. He's my favorite catching value at the position, like you said. I think the ultimate question is going to be 
will he get the plate appearances against left-handed pitchers? They brought in Pedro Severino from the Baltimore Orioles. He's had spurts here and there of performance, but he's not a starter probably in this. No, he's a perfect backup, and he's a guy that will play to give Narvaez a rest. And Narvaez, let's say Severino catches 40 games, Narvaez might DH in 20 of those 40 games and sit the other 20. That would be wonderful. I, I just wonder how strict of a platoon we're going to be looking at is kind of my point. Fair enough. Next tier here. Still some upside left. We got Gary Sanchez, Adley Rushman, Elias Diaz, Mike Zanino, and Travis Darno. Um, easily my favorite tier of this draft to take catchers. Yep. Uh, although I will say as much as I like Adley Rushman and he'll definitely be a star eventually, I don't see how he won't be. I can't justify taking him where he's going right now. Uh, may not even get to the majors until the summertime. And that means I'm missing out on three plus months of counting stats. But, um, I mean, with Sanchez, Diaz, Zanino and Darno, there's a lot to like. Oh, there's, there's a little bit of something for everyone in this tier in a, in a way. I've personally, just to kind of knock them out, I think Sanchez and Zunino are kind of spitting images of each other. Just that, you know, 200 to 220 batting average with 25 plus home runs. And you just pray that they don't lose their job. They have some serviceability, but for me, I'm looking to clean up my batting average from last year and try to raise it up. And the best way I see of doing that is to avoid horrible uh, batting average catchers. Now, as far as Elias Diaz, he's easily my favorite in this tier. He was actually a guy that you brought up to my attention last year. And I'd be honest with you, Lou, I'd really never focused in on him, even though I'm, I'm a very deeply oriented guy, you know, coming over from the pirates, he barely strikes out. He plays in Coors Field, showed good power last year with a 219 ISO, which is very strong. And the best part of it is, is that Colorado provided him a contract extension, which means they believe in him, in my opinion. So big fan of him. And then as far as Rushman, obviously he has a chance to be the top catcher in dynasty leagues very soon. If not, that's already what he is. But if you take him, you don't really know when he's going to come up to the big leagues. And the worst part is, is you're going to have to carry two other catchers in addition to him in two catcher leagues, because you're not going to want to take a zero. So you're going to have to invest a lot of roster spots in catchers, which are not a good position to go you know, overboard in. And then with Darno, he's a very talented bat whenever he's rolling. It's just the health track record when you look at his games played over his career. Uh, to say that that frightens me would be putting it mildly. Yeah, Darno, other than Rushman, is the most expensive catcher in this tier, but still going in the 200s. Injuries a year ago certainly limited him, but he plays on a good team. He's in a good ballpark. Should see the lion's share of work behind the dish, so I do like him. Um, Could be I, age, too. Yeah, he could DH a little bit. Certainly, and then you mentioned Diaz already. Uh, Diaz is one of those guys that it's a perfect example of why playing DFS every day can actually still help you in seasonal. Because if not for mm-hmm. using him in DFS and looking for values and core stacks and whatnot, I wouldn't have noticed how strong his second half was specifically. So he's a guy I do like. I'm just not sure I trust his power as much as I do in other guys in this tier. But I also like his batting average more than guys like Sanchez. And Zanino, Sanchez obviously going to kill that batting average, like you mentioned. But the 20 to 25 homers basically built in 
does have potential for 30 because of his ballpark, the talented lineup, and it's really not so long ago that he was one of the elite bats at this catcher position. So in a one or two catcher league after pick 250, I'd actually still be thrilled to take him, just keeping in mind that I'm going to have to kind of balance out his lack of batting average, which is the same thing with Zanino. He's probably not going to replicate the numbers from last year, but like Sanchez, he does have that built-in source of homers, despite killing your average. Uh, I'd be okay with taking really both Zanino and Sanchez as a pairing in a two-catcher league, but I'm going to have to be sure to make up for that low batting average uh, so that the 50 homers and 140-plus RBIs um, that they combine for are worth drafting despite the 210 average. Let me ask you this. Since you're obviously a huge Yankees fan, follow the team religiously, what do you think... would be happening if with Gary Sanchez if he was traded out of there like how would he like how would he yeah, fare? How would he fare yeah I mean he certainly yeah. wouldn't be any worse there's arguments to be made for him to still be the exact same player which is a guy that appears lazy it doesn't have the best of work ethics there's also the argument to say that he could absolutely explode getting out of the pressure of New York and you know the fans are ruthless ruthless in new york if you're not playing as well as they want you to they will boo the absolute crap out of you and some players doesn't affect some players rise to the occasion we saw stanton rise to that occasion last year and then he ended up getting cheered for as opposed to booed sanchez has not been able to do that he continues to get booed and booed and booed and the problem is that he set such high lofty expectations early on in his career and has not come close to living up to that same hype and i think that's why people kind of hate on him but overall, I mean, he's got a good chance to lead all catchers in home runs every season or any given season. Despite Salvador Perez's 40-plus, you look at Gary Sanchez, and he could absolutely lead in homers, at least be top three. It is possible. I do agree. In terms of rankings, because of the batting average, he's not up there. But in terms of pure home runs and RBIs, um, he, he, he's going to help you. Anything else on this tier? Not a whole lot. I mean, um, like you said, just to kind of touch up on your point, there is some value to Sanchez and Zunino and the deep catcher in the deep two catcher leagues because they are going to be pretty locked into 20 plus home runs. Sanchez, because he's done it before and he's going to provide more offensive value than Kyle Higashioka. And then with Zunino, he's a good framer. So that's going to cement his playing time to a degree. It's just you've really got to be prepared to take on a 200 batting average and you're going to want to add in multiple guys for, you know, that you can think can hit 300 to kind of clean that up is just the last thing I wanted to throw in there. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting a guy like Trey Turner or Soto or Vlad jr. In the first round, Mm -hmm. you might be able to stomach those guys batting averages. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, uh, that doesn't necessarily that could also hurt you in the sense that it kind of takes away potentially from how good Trey and Vlad and Soto are. Speaking of Sanchez, though, and some people are into this, some people are not. He's at the end of his contract. 2023, he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's playing for a deal. I hate to speculate because we have no idea. We're just talking, but I think Wilson Contreras could be a good fit for them. For the Yankees? Absolutely. Perhaps. Perhaps he could. 
Um, they also they also have yeah. some they also have uh, Wells, I believe, who they recently drafted, who they really That's like. True. So we'd have to see. But either way, um, certainly Sanchez could be having one of those really great seasons that a lot of people have in their contract here, or he might just be the same old Gary Sanchez. But at pick two fifty and up, I think it's worth the gamble. Yeah, he's a. Uh... He's at least consistent, even if the batting average is rough. Yeah, clearly a polarizing player because we've spent a lot of time talking on him. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are into the idea and a lot of people that have just had enough of that batting average. But let's get to this last tier here, the don't wait any longer tier. We got Mitch Garver, Carson Kelly, Max Stassi, Joey Bart, Luis Torrens, and Eric Haas. And it's a good tier, of course, if you're in those two catcher leagues and you still need a second catcher. Basically, in this tier, I'm choosing a catcher whose category strength I need most based on the strength of my first catcher or the rest of my team. Stasi mm-hmm. and Kelly, I think, can help balance out batting average a bit. Garver, Torrens, and Haas, basically home run threats. Well, Bart has some upside because as a former top prospect, there's always that upside, but the ballpark is not that great for him. And we don't know how he's going to perform at the big league level. So there is the risk there. There's a lot of risk there with Bart. He is a player I've soured on a bit. That doesn't mean that I can't see some potential for him, but he's probably looking more at that very low batting average, high home run potential. If he hits like a Sanchez or a Zunino that uh, we just touched up on. The benefit of it is is that the Giants veteran hitters such as Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, and Evan Longoria all saw career years with uh, elite coaching and development as far as getting their guys get ready. So that could help Bart, although that's a hope rather than uh, something that you can bank on. He just There's just too much risk for me. As far as uh, Mitch Garver, I know a lot of people would have him higher in the ranks. I just There's just so much health risk for him even whenever he hit 31 home runs in 2019, they only let him play 359 plate appearances. Pretty low number there. Amazing that he was able to hit that much power, but I think that he's uh, not going to provide a ton of playing time, and he has a lot of injury issues. And then Carson Kelly, he's easily my favorite in this tier. He's just very balanced, just very decent hitter. Similar hitter to Varsho, in fact. They both were hovering right around 99 to 101 WRC+. plus. Kelly doesn't steal, so therefore Kelly's going to go 150 picks later, but they'll still carry catcher eligibility, and both uh, both are very solid, and Kelly's just so much cheaper. I love that. Yeah, I mean, Kelly's going to be the guy that's the primary catcher, and that's yep. why Varsho's probably going to be in the outfield, like I had mentioned. Garver is interesting, and I'm glad you kind of went into him a little bit because he's basically Sanchez and Zanino with higher upside but more risk because of the injuries. I think that's a really good comp because he could hit for better batting average. They threw he him- should hit for a better batting average. Should, but it's not a guarantee. And the power, he has as much as them, if not more. Uh, but it's just he's had trouble staying on the field. I mean, 68 games a year ago and 93 in 2019. I don't look at 2020. Uh, only 23 of the 60 games. But even that tells you he only played it in a third of the games. So, If he was much cheaper, I could potentially go for it because his backup, Ryan Jeffers, had promise. He hasn't shown it, but if he got hurt and you had Ryan Jeffers as his backup in a draft and hold setup, sure, you take Garver for fairly cheap, throw in Jeffers, but because Garver goes ahead of 
a lot of the guys that I prefer over him. It just is not a match for me because I prefer Elias Diaz as well as even Yadi Molina. I know that may sound insane to some, but look, the guy just produces. He gets his 50 RBIs, his 50 runs scored defensively. The, the pitching staff loves Yadi, and yeah. All fair points, for sure. Um, another guy I don't want to completely ignore would be Max Stassi. Yeah. Uh, he's was good in 2020, took a bit of a step back in 2021, but did have a career high in basically everything um, other than games played. But most appearances uh, at the plate, he had most home runs, most runs, most RBIs, and a pretty good lineup and lineup that's up and coming that should be getting a bunch of guys back into the fold. Um, he shouldn't kill your batting average necessarily, um, I think if he was only playing, you know, 20, 30 games a year, he might have a difficult time hitting for average. But if he's playing consistently, I could see him batting around 250, uh, which is not going to hurt you, especially from a nope. thin catcher position. So I think he's a, certainly a guy only in your 15-team leagues. If you're in your 12-team league, I don't think he's someone you're looking at. I view him as a definite health risk, in my opinion. He's missed. He's had quite a handful of injuries. If you do take him on as your second catcher, if you waited, make sure that you backfill him in with somebody that gives you some excitement that we'll talk about soon. Because if he goes down, you're not going to want to replace him with, you know, Roberto Perez or Martin Maldonado. You're going to want somebody in there that can provide some value since he does carry a bit more injury risk, similar to Mitch Garver. So let me ask you about this guy a little a teaser for some people out there who haven't gotten the draft guide from com yet. There's a player in this tier, Luis Torrens. You had a quite a bold prediction on your team write-up for the Seattle Mariners. And all these team write-ups, by the way, folks, we have a team outlook, we have breakout, sleeper, bust, prospects, bold predictions. And there was one particular that caught my eye with Torrens. So why don't you uh, kind of give a free little preview of that? Yeah, as as far as Torrens goes, he actually came over from your Yankees years ago, and he was not a catcher. They converted him to catcher because they they liked his bat and they they kind of set him up in that role. Um, so he's still learning the position. Which the reason why that matters is because his playing time is not uh, is not guaranteed since they do have quite a few other guys like Tom Murphy, um, as well as. Uh, Kyle Raleigh, who was a big prospect, but you know, if he can get the playing time and that isn't if, as I laid out, there's other guys there. He's not a great defensive catcher, but this hitter, this bat that we're looking at here could finish inside the top 15 at catchers with 22 home runs and 55 RBIs. That was my bold prediction there. The playing time, like I said, it, it's a little challenging, but look, if this guy's hitting, they're going to want to put him in there because their offense is not super strong in Seattle yet. So uh, Luis Torrance, top 15 catcher, 22 home runs and 55 RBIs. Yeah, and I mean, he hit 15 last year, drove in 47, decent batting average as well. Um, he really has had a decent batting average. Yeah, he's had, he had a good batting average with the Padres before he got traded to Seattle in 2020, carried that into last year. Uh, I think one of the biggest things you said there, though, was Seattle's offense is not – a world beater type of offense nope. they might prefer an offensive first catcher at this point um and Torrens definitely is the best of the bunch offensively despite being the worst of the bunch defensively 
the other thing too that is proof that they really just you know want to get him reps is that they've put him in at first base a bunch they even threw him in at third base before too which shows you look they want to get this guy a chance it's just kind of like the padres they just have a log jam and that is a problem but at his price going as the 30th catcher off the board in nfbc draft champions uh, there's a, a cheap there's a fairly cheap enough price and there's potential there because of his uh his hitting yeah, and a lot of the people playing on Yahoo, ESPN, even Fantrax will probably mm-hmm. not even see this guy go off the board. No, not unless it's a 15, you know, team, two catcher probably. Yeah, so it's definitely someone to maybe keep on your watch list if you're in those types of formats. Any final thoughts here, brother? Not really. Uh, the other guys deeper on here, um, you know, I'll give one and I'll have you give another one, but I mean, as far as the other guys, it's mostly two catcher, just fill out the roster and, and hope kind of guys. But, uh, you know, for my last pick here, uh, I think we could see a little bit of something from Austin Nola. Now, I'm not drafting him because there's a massive log jam in San Diego that I'll get your opinion on how that plays out. But they have, you know, Austin Nola, they have Luis Campusano, as well as, um, Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that I'm uh, Jorge Alfaro from the Marlins. Yeah, that that was a weird trade, right? Yeah. Like I weird. get it because he has he was a top prospect at one point, but yeah. I felt like the Padres were just acquiring depth in a position they already had depth at. Exactly. It was there's talk about him playing in the outfield and if you're a San Diego fan, he did play in the outfield a little bit for the Marlins last year, right? He did, but I mean, this guy strikes out 30 plus percent of the time. He never walks. He just, he does not provide any benefit. I mean, he's, he's a utility hitter. He's not a starter. No, of course Um, he, and he became expendable when the Marlins swung the trade for Stallings, who was a great defensive catcher. Absolutely. And, And kind of my point here is, is that if you do skimp on your second catcher and you're looking for a shot of upside, none of these guys are exciting. It's kind of why we're not going to go into any of them. But Austin Nola has proven that he can provide some solid batting average uh, with good power. Uh, he did that before in, in 2019 where, you know, over 79 games, you know, 10 homers, 269 batting average. If he's hitting, I think that they could put him in there. Uh, so he's more of a watch list guy, Austin Nola from the Padres with a bit of a proven track record, even though it's a huge log jam. Yeah, I guess if I had to pick someone late, I would look at James McCann. Maybe I'm just mm-hmm. attached to what he did when he was with the White Sox in 2019 and 2020. Um, obviously, he didn't come close to that in his first year with the Mets. But the Mets being an improved team, um, seeming to have a lot of pieces in place now, I could see him not necessarily getting back to that exact all-star form like he was in 2019, uh, but certainly closer to the 2020 version where he hits for a decent average, can maybe hit... 13 to 15 homers i think he could be a nice second catcher they did give him a a four-year 40 million dollar contract as well so that's going to somewhat cement his playing time well that's because if you look look at what he did in 2019 and 2020 before that contract i mean 273 and 289 batting averages in 2020 had a 360 on base percentage uh i mean he's shown flashes of being a quite a good player um, so I, I, I didn't mind the, the the deal for him at that time when the Mets gave it to him, especially at the catcher position that is does not have a ton of options. It's only, what, $10 million 
average year. That's not a lot of money in Major yeah. League Baseball. I'm I'm personally not aware of his defensive framing quality, but uh, hey, if you're looking for some cheap power, I think it's a good name. All right. Well, I guess that will wrap up this catcher position. It's been the Lucas Baseball Podcast brought to you by DrRoto.com. Check out our fantasy baseball draft guide. Use it to dominate your competition, folks. Our next episode will look at first base tiers. I'm Lou Landers. That was Lucas Beery. Thanks for tuning in to Season 4, Episode 1 of the Lucas Baseball Podcast. We'll catch you next time.